Greetings and welcome to Shnoim Mikra, the podcast series sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted here at OU.org, in which in each podcast we analyze, study, and investigate one of the aliyot of the current week's parasha. My name is Yitzhak Shalom. It's been my delight to study Parshat Bahar with you this week. And in this final podcast of Parshat Bahar, we will look at the seventh aliyah, which begins in Parak Chafe, Pasuk Mem, Mem Zayin, and continues through the end of the Parak and into the first two Pesukim of Parak Chavav. So that's chapter 25, verse 47. And as I mentioned in the previous podcast, this is understood uh, drastically as being a sequenced spiraling down of someone's fortunes who starts out by doing something bad, doing business with Perot Shvi'it, and in the last uh, piece in Shishi, we saw uh, the possibility of him being sold as an Ebed Ivri, as a, as a slave to, to a Jewish owner. If you then get a hold of the hand of a stranger who resides with you, which implies that you're now getting one of them as a slave, his brother becomes poor, Vinimkar, but now it's flipped around. Vinimkar leger mishpachat ger, and he becomes sold to a resident among you. Um, and the way that Chazal understand leiker mishpachat ger means that he actually gets sold to somebody who's doing pagan worship, and he has to support it. In other words, you have somebody now who has gone from selling his property to then selling himself as a slave to a Jew, and now he ends up being sold as a to pagan. Acharinimkar gulati yalo. After he's sold, he has to be redeemed. We talked about what redemption means and the role of the paternal family. One of his brethren has to redeem him. Who is that? Ododo, his uncle. Ovendodo, his cousin. Igalenu. And that's the same phrase that's used in Bamidbar Chavzayin in the context of Parshat Nachalot. Or from his flesh, from his family, Igalenu. Or else he puts the money together and he's redeemed. <coughs> Which means, by the way, that if Beitin is control, in control of this context, the non-Jew may own this Jew. However, if the Jew is able to get enough money to buy his way out, then the court can force the non-Jew to take the money and to free him. And then he should figure with the fellow who bought it to prorate it until Shnatayovel, meaning how many years is left to Yovel, and that's what percentage of my servitude I'm buying out. And then the payment is based on those years, just like a hireling for a certain amount of years. If there's a lot of years left, then that's how you pay. If there's not many years left, and then you pay it back that way. In other words, the way you figure it is, he has a certain salary per year. So if he sold himself for $10,000, <clears throat> and there were ten years to Yovel, and now it's five years to Yovel. He buys his way out, saying, "There's five more years of work, thousand dollars a year. I'll pay you five thousand dollars to leave." Well, you're dead of a ferach You may not sit oddly by while this Jew has worked with backbreaking work. But if let's say none of these things free him, again he leaves during Yovel, which means that if a Jew is enslaved, whether to a Jew or non-Jew, as long as it's under our jurisdiction. He has to go free at Yovel. Why? Again, And in a sense, this is the anthem of the whole parak. 
B'nai Yisrael are my slaves, God said. I took them out of Mitzrayim. And there's two statements there. One statement is, I took them out of Mitzrayim, meaning that I have acquired them as slaves. I got them from another slave owner. The other one is that the entire purpose of Yitzhak Mitzrayim was that they should not be enslaved to any humans, whether they be Jews or non-Jews, and therefore they cannot be treated as slaves, which means, A, they cannot be worked that way, and B, their sale cannot be in perpetuity, and at the very, very last resort, they are freed in Yovel. And now Perak Chavav begins the last two psukim of this parsha and sums up much of what, if you look at what we're reading as being the uh, last chapter in Sefer HaKedushah, as we'll call it, that begins with Kedoshim to you and ends here, the ending is perfect, because how did Kedoshim to you begin? Kedoshim to you, have to fear your parents, you can't. You have to keep Shabbat, and you have to avoid Avodah Zarah. So now, Lo Tasulachem Elilim, you can't make idols. You can't set up an, a, a, uh, an image, or a a Don't put marked up rock as to bow down. And how does it end? It ends just as at it began in Kedoshim to you at Shabbatotai And now instead of uh, Shabbat with parents, here it's Shabbat with the Mikdash, a pasuk that also shall be Kedoshim. You keep Shabbat. You fear my Mikdash and Yadunai. And as was put by several, a sanctity in time, a sanctity in place, and Ani Hashem. And with these two commands, and the command about Avodah Zarah, we have a perfect bookend that begins with Kedoshim Tihiyu, takes us all the way, and just to summarize, through the mandate for a sanctified society, at the core of it is the mandate for the sanctified group, the Kohanim, along with the sanctified days. So in other words, it is the holy society, the holy group that maintains the holy place, and the holy calendar, or the calendar of holiness. And it concludes now with the proper ethical society, which the final statement about it brings us full circle to Shmirat Shabbat and Moram Mikdash. So the pleasure studying Parshat Bahar with you this week, and I will see you when we study Parshat Pechukotai together. In the meantime, I wish you have a wonderful day and a Shabbat Shalom.